<laughs> encouraging ourselves. to make use of this auspicious, precious, significant opportunity to cultivate the the heart, to train the heart, to develop the heart. The word the Buddha used for meditation wasn't meditation. As far as I know, he wasn't speaking English. He used the word bhavana. It's one of the words. Which in a sense means to bring into, to bring forth, bring into being, to develop, to cultivate. It is said by the wise ones that we have all the treasures. Wisdom and compassion and the great spiritual qualities are right here within this heart already. But they get obscured because of, as I mentioned on the opening night, we get mesmerized, hijacked, identified with, stuck to, limited by the worries, the doubts, the longing, the recoiling aversion. So that we overlook, we don't recognize this heart of hearts, this core, this background, this ocean of brightness, knowingness, sensitivity, which is our nature. So there is, it's paradoxical, so there is practice, there is cultivation to help uh, remember what has been dismembered, to connect, remember, there's an effort there on automatic pilot. I mean, occasionally there's an, thank goodness, occasionally there's a, you know, spontaneous being touched, spontaneous being moved by compassion opening up and responding. For example, I remember once in a Colpo, a local town where we were invited to be resident teachers of a retreat center and we were going into town one day. It's a Zulu Zulu area and there was this young Zulu boy with a tattered 
frayed coat and his satchel and hopeful eyes as he was waiting for, I guess he was going to school and, and just somehow that look, that hope and the recognition on our part of the obstacle course of difficulties this young man would, would and was facing country with so much unemployment, so much poverty, so much violence, so much residual racism. It was a moment of just being touched, touched by the beauty. I know you guys weren't necessarily so touched by nine feet of snow terrifying, but when we, you know, flew in and and, uh, even though it had melted quite a bit, there were still lakes and ponds and rivers frozen over, which were quite beautiful in a way. Ah, Resonating with the beauty. Or the liquid, luminous light of an African sunset. Awesome. But so often on automatic pilot where outraged or upset or someone cuts in front of us, how how dare you? And we can in a moment say something, do something with very difficult consequences. We're noticing a lot of the results of people on automatic pilot in the world today with all the conflict, all the scarcity of communication. Listening into each other. So we cultivate the heart. The Buddha said, well, it's easier to defeat 10,000 warriors in individual combat than it is to train the heart. You think, oh, there it is. He just said it. Why even start? Because when we don't, we all can remember (laughs) countless situations where there was upset and out of our mouth too quickly or we did something or we slammed the door or we pushed the button and sent off something. We shouted it down the phone and to be recorded for... You said so-and-so. Because there was no training. We were immediately mesmerized. No patience. No mindfulness. No wise reflection. So yes, to fully, fully train this heart. To fully remember the treasures, radiant treasures of our being. Yes, this is overwhelming and awesome. But we can begin now today, precious time. And even moments, moments, moments of knowing I am sitting, moments of remembering the awareness connecting with bodily impression, ground, pressure of body on the ground, the relative 
stability of ground compared to the world of what will I say and what will I do and if it's two days and I still haven't figured that out yet and I'm going to have to make that. I mean, Kitty Sarah, let's face it, the time is ticking. Ground. <laughs> and see, see, it, it doesn't work. It doesn't really. Everybody has the true nature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They throw these biscuits at us, these little cookies, spiritual cookies. Ground. Shut up. I can't. Ground. Moments. Don't under value a moment, it accumulates. The power, part of the power of working together as we are on this sort of retreat is uh, that we might not even know it, many, 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 many more moments of attentiveness, of connection, that little by little start to build a momentum. Ajahn Chah described these moments at first like a a faucet or, or a tap that's dripping water, drip. Trip, long gaps. Trip, 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 gap. Trip, 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 gap. Trip, 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 flow, gap. Trip, trip, flow, gap. We cultivate this effort. Even without us really knowing it, little by little, there's a... Bhavana, the development, the blossoming of sustained attentiveness, which begins to become stable. That's what samadhi, we're cultivating samadhi, important part of this path activity, indispensable part of the path activity. Sometimes the Buddha was uh, asked, what is samadhi? Short answer, chitta-kagata. Chit, the heart. Ekagata. Eka means single, whole, unified. as opposed to fractured, complicated, scattered. Learning to train the heart to be unified. As we have mentioned on this retreat, the the major dimensions, significant karmic dimensions of our being could be reduced to three. The head, cognitive faculty, what the the Buddha called speech, but speech is 
what comes out of thought, the cognitive. Head, body, physicality, heart, awareness. In our mindfulness practice, we're we're not putting one over the other. We're in this embodied, integrated work integrated, that there is in that word the notion of a unification, bringing the different dimensions into relationship. So in a moment of mindfulness, in our practice of, uh, for example, using the the body sitting, walking, standing, lying down, the body breathing. A thought, we're not just hating thought, we're using thought so that that dimension of our being can be present but moderated, not a tyrant. When the thinking mind becomes a tyrant, we... deadly, despot, relentless, destructive, a servant, a servant when the thought like here, now, sitting, let the thought end, what the Buddha called a vitaka, directed thought, thought in service of bhavana of the training of our being back into some integration, some gatheredness, rather than the thinking being off somewhere, we're lost in it, who knows where the body is. The emotions are suppressed off in some big corner until they burst out and blast somebody and then we feel a bit better for a while and then go back to our disembodied thought. A thought, like in, Breathing in, out. A moderated, a shortened, a thought that directs our attention. We're right here to the body, to this moment. In. Out. Peacefully, I breathe in. That thought is heard and it dissolves into the listening, the heart. In. Out. So the cognitive faculty is present, but not getting in the way. The awareness is the receiver, the bowl, the container, what allows the unification to happen, awareness. The thought directs the attention to the body. The body steadies the awareness. The awareness is steadied by being with our body sitting on the ground. The body is comforted, enjoys being embraced by awareness, body, mind, unified for a moment. 
in the development of this samadhi the Buddha talked about its uses when we develop this samadhi we've already mentioned the first important use is one little by little has more access to a pleasant abiding as we mentioned as Tanisha mentioned last night and we've mentioned this is blameless learning to in simple ways non-exploitative ways skillful ways to by unifying ourselves bringing the attention to the body received in awareness relaxing noticing a quality of well-being that wells up from the heart itself a simple relinquishment this could this is a huge gift for ourselves and for the world second when we when we cultivate this practice becoming more steady then knowledge and vision arises the buddha said well it's like when when we used to use instruments scientific instruments and in the old days they don't probably do it anymore look at see what's in a drop of water just from the river you can get a slide and put the drop in and look at the microscope but you had to line up and focus and stay still and whoa what's swimming around in there but if you move one's eyes or doesn't really focus you get all sorts of distorted so the more composed gathered single-minded we are then we we, we will just as rather than going on uh, opinions if i want to know about something like this gong if it's if i just start talking about it it might be what someone else has told me but if i my attention is more gathered then and the attention goes to it space sound weight this knowledge is revealed revelation happens knowledge and vision in the highest sense that's that's why the great saints who have composed minds have great intuitive powers they can know their own mind they can know your mind because that's the nature of the mind it's revealed how things are the true nature vigilance is the third blessing samadhi mindfulness and vigilance we become present for our life we we experience our life rather than being heedless when when we're heedless all sorts of accidents all sorts of unexpected unskillful consequences happen when we're heedless so mindfulness has its own blessing its own care and finally the the most profound blessing of samadhi that the buddha taught is it liberates us not only is there knowledge and vision but there's the understanding of what is keeping us from knowing our timeless core there's the recognition of 
making assumptions about life, assuming ownership and meanness around what isn't really me and mine, like the body, like thoughts and moods. And through doing that, life becomes very bumpy, collapsing, frustrating, what's called suffering or birth and death. It liberates us. The aids to this practice that the Buddha taught, vitaka, using thought but moderating it, and it's combined with vichara, these two. I'm using the Pali words. In the old translations, they called it applied thought and discursive thought. You think, oh, what is that? Vitaka is more that yang. It's an effort. It's a thought that points us back. It's very useful today. Many, many times today we can use a thought. Not a big essay. A thought to just note, to wake us up, to bring the attention back. Like here. Sitting, breathing in, or even if we're lost in something, even the thought thinking. But let that thought dissolve. Now, sometimes when we meditate, we just use the yang part in life. The whole world is really. I was told some people don't say yang, or someone else say that no, the real pronunciation is yang. So I don't know. Bear with me. That aspect of force we use so much in trying to make people have our view and forcing things. And when we're doing that with meditation, just bullying the mind, get back there, kicking it. Stay on there. We might keep it there for a while, but then, you know, all hell breaks loose when we relax or get tired. Then blaming on the person next to us for breathing too hard. Then we shift over there and think, oh God, the aura is not good in that part of the room. (laughs) Over there, you know, why did I come here? It's so busy and all these coals going around. I'm going home. Yang and then collapsing. But the Buddha, Vitaka Vichara, Vichara, which described as discursive thought, it's the quality of the cognitive capacity that once you've brought your mind someone that it's the receptive in the spectrum they're not two they're part of a unification in the spectrum of you could use the male female continuum the yin the yang the making the effort but if there's only the effort it's like someone saying, how are you? But then they never wait for you to say, how are you? And it's so good to see you. And I mean, it's incredible. And, well, it's been nice having this conversation. And <sighs> Yeah. And then you feel like you've been pinned to the wall. Yang, 
But then the receiving, oh, ah, they're looking quite pale. Would you like to sit down? Hearing the voice. So when we bring our mind to the breath, rather than just trying to force it into a certain way, bringing the attention to the body and then receiving. Ajahn Sajito described it, our dear friend, teacher, colleague. He said it's like a thumb and an index finger that, you know, they, they work together. The thumb maybe holds it steady and the index finger rubs and feels into the texture. We've brought the mind to the present and then one can receive the body, the nostrils, noticing the in-breath, the coolness, maybe the out-breath, a little more warmed from it touching our inside of our lungs. As the, when the mind's really wandering, you bring the mind back with our mantra, our word, our thought, our phrase, and then receive. These two work together. The yin, the yang. The yang, the yin. And rather than hating thought, Yes, it's wonderful when the thought goes crazy, drives us nutty, and when the mind goes quiet, oh, that's wonderful. But if we think thought is the big enemy, then we're overlooking the important tool that thought is. The first profound level of peace has what's called first jhana, has vitaka vichara in it. So we should also practice, also learning to allow a measure of steadiness and stability happen with thought present, but a moderated thought. Like peacefully breathing in, peacefully breathing out. Just in the same way as when one is threading a needle sometimes, and I don't do it very often, so I have to, my eye isn't so good as I have to have my one bad eye that has a magnifying glass close up. It's really weird. But you might tell yourself, steady, steady. And those words are just reminding one. They're not getting in the way. Similarly, the first profound level of peace is not disturbed by thought. The thought keeps us there, the repetitive. Or the sacred word, which is my favorite, one of my favorites. Breathing in bud, breathing out to, B-U-D, D-H-O, it means Buddha. But not that historical Buddha 2,500 years ago, and you know, I don't know, what, he, what did he really look like? Did he really have long earlobes and a tongue that could go. Bhutto, nominative case, this Buddha. And let that word, Bhutto, notice the word like a bubble, pop. But it leaves behind the wakefulness, the awakened one. That moderated use of thought, one word, Bhutto, 
It's a little bit like driving in a storm in KwaZulu-Natal. I mean, the torrential rains are incredible. You can't see a thing, but when the windshield wiper even goes once, you can see for a moment. (sighs) (sighs) Butto, that phrase, let it be there and dissolve. Notice the gap after it. It points, it's the cognitive pointing back to this body, to this awareness, to this single, unified place where thought, body, heart are all together. can explore. Some people like, you can use the word namo, which means I give back. Namo. To let that remind you to be present with the breathing or with walking. Or let go. Beautiful use of thought that, that functions as this vataka vichara combined. It directs the attention back here without without hating anything, not putting down anything. Let be. A tip. from the Buddha. It is not possible to enter samadhi if one cannot withstand sights and sounds and smells and tastes and impressions, bodily impressions. Yes, this is conducive, and quiet is conducive, and we're all helping each other. But we can get, speaking as someone who declared war on ticking clocks for about 10 years in my monastic life and lost. (laughs) It's not a question of just being averse, averse to what disturbs us. This little tip from the Buddha is very important that that learning to withstand patiently, learning to bear with sights, it's like this. The light's like this. Sounds, the sounds are like this. Smells, the smell is like this. The taste right now is like this. The bodily impressions are like this. And a huge block to samadhi is aversion. It shouldn't be like this. And I can't believe it. You know, they have the cushions too close together. I mean, what are they thinking? Putting hundred like this or... It's endless, the opinions we can have. And yes, we can make things as good as we can. But if one really wants to get good at samadhi, at a certain point, one acknowledges it's like this. And practices kindly allowing. For example, Tanisha and I love when we get the chance to go on pilgrimage and I like going to holy places and like her collecting rocks and 
but I like meditating and doing mantras in holy places. So we were in Israel, in Jerusalem, and I was going to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Sepulchre, and uh, where the Christ was uh, uh, crucified and the resurrection. And we got there, and it was all kind of crowded, and people were making all this noise and taking pictures and speaking loud. And I'm thinking, oh, what are we doing here? Different people jostling, rustling, all this stuff. And then I just thought, Kitty Sorrow, I had a moment of mindfulness. This is a version. This is a version. All I had to do was just have a moment moment of, okay, just accept it. I just found a little marble ledge in the middle of it all just to sit on. Still, all that was happening, just a moment of acceptance. (sighs) Mind just went deep. Because it just was as it is. I didn't have to fight it. I didn't have to grasp it, do anything about it. pushing things away, trying to make things a certain way. In our samadhi practice, we let that go when there's wanting so much. And we kindly embrace when we're trying to get rid of stuff. Relax. The first deep level of jhana is accompanied by ease and rapture. Rapture, and we think, oh, I have to get in some high, high state. The word is piti, P-I-T-I. And the, the, the essence of it is learning to be filled with be interested in. So if we remember this is a sacred moment, even fatigue, even scatteredness, moment of honoring this, the feelings as they are, withstanding them, because this moment has as its core all the treasures. That ironically, the more we judge this moment and think, no, I've got to go somewhere else, that is the engine of samsara, endless suffering. Because we've concretized, reified, made real the sense that this is a desert, there's nothing here, there's no good water here, I've got to go somewhere else. So, being interested, being filled, relaxing with, so that little by little the energy, the magic wand of unification can work its transformative power.
moments. So continue patiently today, moments. Don't undervalue just a moment. Being in touch with standing, sitting, walking, lying down. giving ourselves permission with each out-breath to let be, to let go and sense the perfection, the timeless perfection of where we are. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.